Hello and welcome to the Bible with Megan podcast. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. There are two types of episode in this podcast. The first is where I look at wider themes about the Bible within the Bible, questions about how we should study the Bible and how it relates to our world. The second type of episode are just Bible studies and each week I'll go chronologically through a book of the Bible. The Bible is such a beautiful book and such an incredible gift that we have been given by God and I just hope that in this podcast you will learn to love studying it even more and that it will strengthen your faith. So let's get on with today's episode. This is episode 7 of my study series through the book of Revelation. And if you've just joined me on the podcast, you might be a bit confused because this is the first episode I have uploaded as a podcast. Um, I started this series over on my YouTube channel and I will link that in the description. There's loads of videos on there. They're only like 10 minutes long, so you can quickly go over them. If you watch them at double speed, you can you can whiz through them real quick and catch up. I would recommend watching the first two especially because in those two I really lay the foundations for the book. I talk about the central theme of the book and I talk about the genre of this book as well and um, just a really quick recap. The book of Revelation falls into three genres. It is a prophecy, it is a letter and it is a apocalypse or revelation Um, and the word apocalypse doesn't necessarily refer to end times um it's actually a genre of literature from the ancient world it people think it refers to end times just because that's like by association so in our modern culture people use that word apocalypse because it's used for this book and people think this book is about end times um but the word apocalypse itself just means revealing which is why it can also be revelation it's when a so in in that literature it's when a, a god or a spiritual being or something reveals something to a human about their perspective, a heavenly perspective. So, so far in the series, we've been through chapter one. Um, <laughs> now we're in chapter two. So you haven't got very far yet, but that's because I'm really wanting to take this slowly. And um, I just want to say thanks as well to those of you who've been with me since the beginning. I know I've taken a little bit of a break, um, but I'm back now and these episodes will be up weekly again. But I really want to go through the book of Revelation slowly. I think we have a tendency to pull bits out of it um, where reading this book as a whole and going through it slowly and really looking into each section, I think gives us a much better grasp on, on what it's actually saying. People think Revelation's a difficult book to understand, and I get that. It's it's quite different to a lot of the other books, especially in the New Testament. But if we take it slowly and, and just go through it bit by bit, I think it actually gives us a lot of information to help us interpret it well um, just by doing that. So that's why I'm taking it slowly, and these podcasts will just be going through chronologically. Today we are looking at the church in Thyatira. So this is in chapter 2 and um, Jesus is speaking messages to the churches that this letter is written to. Like I said, Revelation's a letter. So it's Jesus via John in a vision sending this book as a letter to seven churches in Asia Minor. Now each of these messages that Jesus gives to these 
churches as the book opens um, follow a pattern and you can go back and watch my episode on that if you want to see it in more detail but basically there's six points that he covers in each of these messages to each church Um, and so I'll quickly run through them because that's how we've been looking through these churches we've just been going through those points for each one so the first one is just the name of the church and the name of the angel of the church is the same thing second one is there is a description of who Jesus is um, and that's slightly different in each one depending on what part of his character he wants that church to focus on thirdly Jesus commends the church for their good works some of them don't have any good works (laughs) some of them only have good works Um, fourthly he says what he has against them and again some of them Jesus only has things against them and others of them he doesn't have anything against them and then the fifth one is um, he gives them an instruction so what they need to do to fix that thing he has against them and sixth there is a promise that he gives he says to the one who conquers or to the one who overcomes and then he promises something and I've called this the conqueror's promise and that's something you're going to see again and again in this book like these conqueror's promises take note because you'll see how these kind of affect um how we read and understand the rest of the vision that John has um and I think it's one of the primary motives that that we need to have for reading this book there's this question that's constantly there are you one who conquers are you a a faithful follower of Jesus that will overcome evil will overcome spiritual warfare and battles and trials and all this sort of stuff that's chucked your way by the world are you one who will overcome so let's get into today's passage um, this is to the church in Thyatira and it is Revelation 2 verses 18 through to 29. So verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, and that's the beginning of this message. So let's just have a quick look at some context about the actual place, Thyatira, and what was going on there and what it was like. Um, so I've mentioned a guy called Pliny previously in this series and he is an ancient historian um, that is used to reference quite often um, gives us a lot of information about this area at this time and he refers to Thyatira as an unimportant town so yeah that that's helpful um but it was on a trade route uh, towards Pergamum that we talked about last episode um It was also a former military outpost. It was in a valley. So it's kind of like a town between towns, I suppose. People pass through there. Um, They had, because of that, they had um, like trade guilds. Um, The town was known for making purple cloth. There was a lot of production and stuff like that that went on. And these trade guilds actually had a massive influence in the town. And you could have the potential to kind of lose your you're everything um depending on whether you were in one or not um you know it was was linked to your business obviously but it was also linked to like the worship in the town of pagan gods of the emperor and to like uh social life as well drinking and and stuff like that and there was like a, a very loose morality um and so 
For the Christians in Thyatira, although they didn't have an immediate threat of persecution, there's a definite temptation there to compromise. Um, being in these trade guilds, which would be, you know, good for their for their business, for their trade, um, could also lead to them being pressured into to doing other things that aren't honouring God. Um, so there is a massive, massive pressure for these Christians to compromise for the sake of their businesses. And so I think actually this letter could apply to us in the modern day quite well. Um, I think there's a lot of people that find themselves in that situation probably, you know, there's a social side to work, um, there's a community you have to join to be successful in in your business and your money making or, or whatever your passion or skill is. And perhaps those things that they they do in those places don't honour God. So the temptation there is, oh, you know, oh well just just maybe this, you know, God will understand, it will be okay. In other messages Jesus is speaking to Christians who are being persecuted but in this message he's speaking to Christians who are being tempted to compromise and to push the boundaries of their faith. And so the passage moves on then to give us a description of Christ which is the second point. This is the second half of uh, verse 18. The words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So the phrase son of God is actually not in the opening vision of this book that John has. Most of these descriptions of Jesus in the messages are. So here, it's it's the only place in the whole book of Revelation we hear the phrase son of God. And it's referring to Daniel's vision in the Old Testament. It's talking about the son's relation to the father. It's that thing about the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man and that's something I've spoken briefly about before and I'll probably do an episode on it. It's a super key passage to understanding the book of Revelation and also um, it's something that Jesus references a lot himself so I will do an episode on that part of Daniel. Then we hear that Jesus's eyes are like flames of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze. So this is in the opening and it's also in the in the Old Testament um, and it's talking about how Jesus has authority that he is the true king. You can go back and watch my episode on that section of the book um, the vision of the son of man and I go into more of the Old Testament context that that is referencing and how it comes to that conclusion. So Jesus is reminding them who he is he's saying I am the true authority, I am the one who rules and reigns. The third point then is good works. So Jesus goes on to commend them in verse 19. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. Just a quick note on that actually, if you're if you're new to this series, patient endurance. Remember that phrase Again, it's super important in the book of Revelation. It goes along with being one who conquers. So, I know your works, your love your f- and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So he's saying this church is is growing, isn't it? The latter works 
exceed the first that they're growing into this love and faith and service they are being obedient in these things um and this is a contrast to the church in ephesus um in this book rather than having to go back to where they begun he says to the church in ephesus go back to your first love he's saying to the church in thyatira good you're growing into you know you're you're growing in this stuff you're not just staying stagnant in one place you're really kind of going after it and growing into it but then point four he does have things against them so let's read that that's verse 20 but i have this against you that you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. So what's going on here? Like, you might be thinking, Jezebel? She's like, she's long gone. She's from the Old Testament. Um, Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, who was the queen who didn't like Elijah in the Old Testament. Um, She brought Baal worship into the Israelite community, encouraged worship of other gods, and also sexual immorality and sorcery and things like this. So like we saw before, um, which passage was it? Oh, it was the last one in Pergamon. Um, it was speaking about someone called Balaam, and again, that referenced an Old Testament figure. Um, so it's like these figures are being used as nicknames for somebody, somebody real, in this case, in Thyatira, um, who is doing similar things to Jezebel. And so Jesus is giving this person the nickname Jezebel because they are leading his people into sin in the same way Jezebel in the Old Testament led the Israelites into sin and he says they have tolerated her tolerated so they haven't necessarily participated in what this person is doing Um, some of them had and he warns those people that if they don't repent of that they will come to the same bad end that she is because she's living in sin but 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 this church the problem he has is that they've tolerated her it's not that they're necessarily all joining in but they're permitting it to happen within their community and within their congregation and this person we know is dangerous because she's called a prophetess and and the bible warns us so many times about people that are self-proclaimed prophets or or, or false prophets people who call themselves a prophet but aren't true prophets of god and this person evidently isn't because the fruit of what she's doing leads to sexual immorality and to encouraging people to eat food that's sacrificed to idols idol worship um and things like this these people obviously don't have much discernment here um and this is the opposite to ephesus so it's like in one way they're doing better than Ephesus and in another way they're doing worse because Ephesus were commended for for knowing false teaching and really standing against that. Jesus said to Ephesus, you know, you're spending too much time doing the, you know, um, 
seeking out false teaching, which is important, but you've forgotten your first love. And with these people, he says, you know your first love and you're growing in it, but you're not standing up against false teaching. So it just shows us again that the importance of those things have to come together. We can't do one without the other. We've got to be going after sound doctrine, good teaching, um, not following people who teach anything other than God's word. But, but we have to do that in a place of love and faith and service and patient endurance. So can you see how this could be speaking into that kind of trade union situation? It's that word tolerate, isn't it? Like, these people were, they're not being persecuted, but they're just allowing stuff to go on. It's, it's like so close to compromise. And he's obviously saying some people are compromising. And then in, in point five, he's he's giving instructions about what to do. And he says to those people, repent. Repent, turn around. That's what repent means, isn't it? Turn around. Come away from that. Or you're going to meet the same end as Jezebel. And he says he's going to throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her. Now, this isn't literal. This is saying, going on with the metaphor um, of Jezebel in the Old Testament being this per- this person in Thyatira, or perhaps people, actually, it could be more than one, but those who kind of enter into her teachings and ways, it's, it's that metaphor of them um, committing sexual morality with her, it could it could be literal, but equally it's, it's speaking into the fact they're coming under her teaching. And so Jesus is warning them that if they don't repent of that, um, they're going to come to the same condemnation that she is going to come to he says he will strike her children dead so those who follow teaching that um doesn't honor god that disregards the teaching that that god gives will be put to death by jesus and this reminds us again isn't it of in pergamum the church before how jesus says he is the one who has the um, authority of the sword he's the one who truly can say who lives and who dies and we'll look into more kind of what those consequences are and how they play out as we get further into the book of revelation but jesus is just i think this is the thing these jesus is a just judge and because these people are doing stuff that is evil um there are there are consequences for those actions and that's why he wants them so much to repent and turn and come out of her teaching and come into teaching that leads them in the way of righteousness which is in right relationship with their god and so then point six um oh sorry no Hang on, there's another part to point five in verse 24. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some called the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. So he's saying for those of you who are standing against this, who are 
not going into it the deep things of satan it makes you realize like how serious the situation is and the level of compromise these people are going to he says but those who aren't those who are saying no i'm i'm no way i'm not doing that he says i'm not giving you another burden just just stay in that place hold fast do not compromise whatever you do um until i return and then he goes on to point six to the conqueror's promise verse 26 the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end to him i will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces even as i myself have received authority from my father and i will give him the morning star he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is promising that um, to those who conquer, to those who have patient endurance, who hold fast in the face of persecution and the temptation to compromise, he says they will get the authority that he has, that he's been given from his father. Um, he then gives to his church to rule over nations. Now, all these other promises seem to be eschatological so they're to do with the end times so it's likely that this is talking about the church's um final kind of rule with jesus over the earth us being stewards of the earth um as humans are created to be but it says we will rule uh these people will rule over the nations with a rod of iron which might seem odd, because if we read that just from our context, you might think, oh, a rod of iron, that's a pretty, like, harsh thing, maybe a harsh rule. Well, actually, this is actually the tool that a um, a shepherd would use. And if you go and have a look in the Old Testament, God's kind of leadership and his kind of reigning is often compared to being a shepherd. The kings are called shepherds in the in the Old Testament, and... And God is considered the ultimate shepherd, um, the good shepherd himself. And Jesus calls himself that as well. And it's that kind of leadership that the church, with their authority over nations, are going to mimic um, shepherding. That is the way he wants the earth to be, to be ruled. You can go and have a look at Ezekiel 34 if you want to have a bit more of a study into that idea of what shepherd leadership looks like and how god promises that um so the first half of the promise then is that these people these followers of christ will share in his rule and his, his authority and the second thing he says that they will be given the morning star in revelation 22 verse 16 um this title the morning star is given to jesus and we'll get to that so within the context of this book, that's what it refers to. Um, in culture, it's, it's sometimes used to refer to other things, even the devil. I, I don't know why, where that comes from, but we are told at the end of this book, chapter 20, verse 16, if you want to have a look at it, Jesus is, is the morning star quite clearly. And so this promise then is a promise of himself, a promise of being given Jesus, a promise of, of being with him. Um for all eternity and in the new kingdom now there's one more point here just before we finish up in this section 
that phrase at the end he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches is a repeated phrase that's in every message now up until now it's come before the conqueror's promise and now it's after and it will be after from now until the end of these messages and what's cool about this is it's kind of the structure of these messages they kind of like work up to a center point and then work out again so it's like um the phrase comes before to the middle and then at the middle it goes after like a kind of pyramid type shape and so it points to the center of the of all these messages if you wrote them all out the middle part is the verse um it's verse 23 where it says and all the churches will know that i am he who searches the mind and heart and i will give to each of you according to your works structurally that bit is the center of all the messages i am to claim to jesus's divinity i am he who searches the mind and the heart and i will give to each of you according to your work so jesus is the one who is going to be judge over the church he knows who is truly following him who's truly denied themselves who has been transformed by the holy spirit and is living a life of obedience to him which is what it is to be a christian and he knows those who aren't who perhaps say oh yeah i follow jesus but but they're not they're not with their mind and they're not with their heart and this is one of the key parts of the book of revelation the whole book revolves around jesus and who he is and here it's telling us who he is he is god and he is the one who will judge and he is the one who knows all things nothing can be hidden from him he is the one who will separate good from evil he is is the head of the church and the righteous judge and the one we give all our worship to and follow with our whole mind and our whole heart so that's the church in Thyatira next week I'll be moving on to look at the church in Sardis um, but let's just end in prayer Jesus, be Lord of our lives. We pray, Lord, you would help us to grow in love, in service, in faith, and in patient endurance. Lord, help us to hold fast in the face of temptation to compromise. Jesus, show us anywhere we are compromising and give us the strength to repent of those things, to turn away from them and to live lives that are righteous in your sight in to live lives that come under your teaching and not any false teaching god but lives that honor you and point to you as our god as our king and our savior in jesus name amen 
thank you so so much for joining me for today's podcast if you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey if you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources you can also follow me over on instagram at bible with megan or one word where i update everything that's going on and have content on there as well so i really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the bible with megan podcast